Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We're going to go into Exodus 20 this morning as the main text, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through the Ten Commandments. Some of you probably are really familiar with the Ten Commandments. Others of you, this will be new or... um, you know, stuff you haven't heard before, but I'm going to jump through. I'm so sorry for you guys, <laughs> the production crew in the back. I might jump through these a little bit. I'm um, not read every single word, but give you the overarching idea. And we'll kind of hang our hat on one of these scriptures uh, or one of these verses this morning. So before we jump in, let's pray. God, you are the perfect father. God, you have given us a way. You knew that we weren't going to have perfect parenting in our life. You knew that the family wasn't going to be perfect, but you gave it to us anyways as a gift. So God, we received the gift of family. And Lord, we ask that you would show us the way that you have designed family to function. And Lord, I ask this morning that every uh, area of our lives that has been shrouded in darkness because of either a lack of parenting, God, or or parents that that just didn't quite hit the mark. God, I ask that you would illuminate those areas and show us where you're ready to fill in the gaps. God, you're so good at filling in the gaps. Give us wisdom this morning to receive your word in your way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. 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 All right, we're going to jump in at verse 1. It says this, And God spoke all of these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that you've brought us out of our slavery. Lord, thank you for this place called the local church that gives us the opportunity to hear your voice, learn how to hear your voice, and apply it to our lives. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make... You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I love that verse. I love that God doesn't meet us halfway. He's not like a halfway God. He's like, I'm all the way. (laughs) I love you all the way. I'm so jealous for your love and your attention and your affection. For I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Oftentimes, we talk about this in, the, in terms of uh, generational curses. Um, whether you believe in a generational curse or not, that's not for, up for discussion in this message. Uh, if you would like to call it something else, call it a generational habit. Um, that's sometimes how I phrase it, a generational habit. Um, verse six, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Funny thing, we have no problem calling it a generational blessing. <laughs> like, yeah, a generational blessing. I'll take it all. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad, for all your breakthrough. Uh, but we have sometimes a hard time addressing the fact that there is ramifications for how you live your life into the next generation, right? So in verse seven, it says, you shall not misuse my name. Uh, verse 8 says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Jumping down to verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord, the land the Lord your God is giving you. 
You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And finally, you shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. How many of us know that just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean it's not relevant any longer? We still very much believe that it's important for us to worship God before anything else. It's still important for us not to murder, (laughs) not to steal. Uh, One of the ones that we struggle with most is not coveting. Some of y'all need to, this is my Lyle Phillips moment. Some of y'all need to get off social media. Busy coveting all the time. (laughs) Hmm, But, but there's, (laughs) I had to make a social media reference. Otherwise it's not Lyle Phillips approved, (laughs) but it's so true. The reason why we reference it so often is because y'all know you're struggling just like the rest of us are struggling to recognize that, hey, this stuff is still so relevant in our lives, our day-to-day lives. And what I notice is that when you look through the first four laws given, it's how it's depicting how the Lord wants to be loved and honored. And then you jump down through the rest of them, and it's a depiction of how the Lord longs to see us love and honor one another. And so uh, you can guess which verse we're kind of going to hang around This morning, and it's that verse 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord God has given you. To honor your mother and father is an important connection to God. It's an important position for God as well. The whole Ten Commandments, if you didn't know, is all about connection. It's all about connection. God God was so... He's... He's such a connecting father. He doesn't know how to do anything aside from connection, right? He's like, I just want all of you. I'm a jealous God. I want the fullness of your heart. And so he didn't just lay out these rules as like uh, something to keep us from having no fun, right? He's like, hey, these are the things that if you do these things, well, you'll live a connected kingdom lifestyle. The problem is before Jesus, we couldn't do it. (laughs) With Jesus, we (laughs) we can't do it, but... There's something beautiful about the other side of the cross where his blood covers the multitude of sin and it's in love that we get to respond to the connection that God's offering to us. But the Ten Commandments weren't just like a list of laws that were like, hey, um, and even the ordinances that were after the Ten Commandments were a way to respond when there was a violation of love or connection. And it was for us to understand how much work it takes to build healthy connection. (laughs) And I I read through, we're reading through Leviticus right now in our one-year Bible reading plan uh, as a church. And it's like, anyone else overwhelmed? I'm like, thank you, Jesus, the lamb that was slain (laughs) for every sin that I was ever going to do. Oh, my gosh, I would have been at the temple every day having to offer sacrifices for my life. My goodness, you know. But it's this understanding that the law was here to protect connection. The law is not here to control you. The law wasn't given to tell you to have no fun, but the law was... God saying, this is what I love, and this is how you protect connection with me, and this is how you protect connection with each other, which is why I feel that it's so very relevant still today. And that, that verse, for some reason, it's always struck me in the middle of the Ten Commandments because 
I think sometimes in our culture, in our society, we don't really understand the generational impact um, because we're like, we all turn 18 and we're like chomping at the bit to like get kicked out of the nest and like do our own thing, right? But, you know, in this day and age, this was not, that was not customary, right? It was very much a family connected for the long haul. Like, I, you know, your daughter gets married, you build them a house in the back. Like, they're <laughs> now I get this because I live with my parents again. And there's something that's demanded of you when you have to be around your parents all the time and you have that opportunity to honor or just do things on your own and say, oh, like, I'm an adult now, I'm my own kids, like, I'm just going to do my own thing. But what, I'm, what I have learned is that there is still a blessing in me being able to honor my parents and what they carry in their lives and how it translates to my life. Now it is easy. Most of us don't live with our parents, right? The Lord spoke to Lyle and I and to my parents like we were going to be a prototype, you know, like this is what this is what family looks like, you know, and you might not move in with your parents, but this kind of idea gets challenged when you're in there, you know, when you guys are all living together doing life on life. And, you know, I honestly was really blessed. I have a great relationship with my parents. So, you know, growing up, I was the kind of kid that didn't like to get in trouble. Anyone else? Some of you are like, nah, it's like totally fine, get in trouble. I knew I wasn't supposed to do it, but I love to test the boundaries. I was not that kid. I'm like, where's the very center of the boundary? And then I, I do not even want to test the edges. My parents are like, please get in trouble, do something. My gosh. <clears throat> that was just how I was wired, right? So when I would get in trouble, you can imagine how heavy it was for me. I'd cry. I would just be so upset. And my mom, I remember, would tell me so often when stuff like that would happen, oh, honey, you could rob a bank, you could murder someone, you could come home pregnant all in the same day. <laughs> and I would still love you. <laughs> She's like, there's nothing you could do that would make me not love you. And if you want to know what my philosophy as a pastor is, that's pretty much it. <laughs> There's nothing that you could do by the, with the grace and help of God that would make me not love you. Right? That's great input in my life. There's something about honoring my family that, and the generational impact that, that went before them that, you know, showered a blessing. You know, we got to start, I got to start leading on a local church level when I was probably far too young. But there's something about that blessing that released my inheritance to me and I didn't really understand it until I started having my own kids and I started to see the impact of the things that I hadn't dealt with yet. Because although my parents are amazing, you can imagine my parents are human, right? And there are things that I didn't get from my parents. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this uh, term, inner healing, it's basically like prayer counseling. I started doing some inner healing after college. And I remember my first inner healing prayer session, I sat for an hour just like staring at the lady who's with me. And she was like, okay, are, are we going to pray about anything? And I was like, just tears. Because I was like, I can't admit that my parents didn't do it perfectly. Because I, that was the kind of experience I had, Right. That's the blessing to a thousand generations in my life, you know? Like, I just, but the reality is, we all have things that we didn't get in parenting, and we're all in need of Jesus in that area. But so many of us have had 
varied journeys. I know so many people that we lead or sit and talk with that are like, I got nothing from my parents. In fact, my parents didn't give me anything they took from me, you know, whether it was my innocence or they, they stole from me because they weren't broken or, you know what I mean, all of those many stories. And so I run across the connection that most of those people, when they haven't dealt with that area of their life or their connection with their parents or lack thereof, um, there's areas of their life that feel um, really clouded and like shrouded in darkness almost. Um, sometimes I see the journey end up like we're just so really emotionally shut down. I've experienced that in my own life where I'm like, oh, I shut down the things that are really beautiful in my life because I'm afraid to hope for more. And, you know, I've always read this verse through the lens, verse 12, we can pull it back up if, you, if you'd like. Um, honor your father and mother so that you may live long. Anybody else ever just read it like that most of your childhood? That's how I read it. This time I read it. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. And every translation says it this way in one way or another. And what I recognize is that some of us in the room have felt like you haven't occupied your territory yet. Or that you've been kept from your promised land and my goal this morning is to turn on a couple of lights and point you in a direction that says, hey, it's pro- it, could not, it could be the Lord in his kindness keeping you from your, your land of inheritance, but that's not his desire for you long term. He really wants to see you ushered into your, your land, but we have to deal with that piece first, the honor piece first. And... I I literally woke up this morning and the Lord said to me, remind the church that you never outgrow your need for a parent. You never outgrow your need for parenting. If we did, the New Testament church wouldn't have been called a family and there would never have been criticism on the fact that there weren't enough fathers and mothers in regards to the structure Because the local church, although it's not going to meet every need because we're not Jesus, right? It's supposed to be a way and an avenue for those of us who have had lackluster experiences with parents to find wholeness and healing and find that fathering and mothering. Some of you have gotten fired from jobs time and time and time again. Um, And this does not apply to everyone who's been fired from a job. But I've seen this happen before because your relationship with a superior or someone who is leading you never seems to click right. And this might not be your story, but if, it, if the shoe fits, wear it. Sometimes that's because we haven't dealt with that reality that God's putting people in our life to shepherd us and steward us and lead us for our benefit. And until we learn to honor those places of authority, we're actually, the Bible says, kept from our inheritance, our land that God has purposed for you. And it's why fathers and mothers are so important and pastors and teachers and coaches. And it's why when they say one thing that throws you off, it really goes deep. 
Because the role in your life is supposed to be that of building you up and pushing you into what God has for you. And so this morning, I'm not going to be able to address and deal with every mom and dad wound. But my hope is that I turn on some lights for you that where you might feel stuck could be the result of some unforgiveness. It could be the result of some dishonor. And, let, and I'll, I'll say this. Honor from the biblical perspective isn't just accepting that everything your parents did or didn't give to you was okay, right? It's not saying, hey, every behavior you exhibited towards me was okay. Honor is, it's literally the word that um, Pastor Nathan shared. It's the word kabod is honor. It's, the, it's across the Old Testament, but it's weight. It's the word weight. It's I ascribe the weight to you that you are due. We're already ascribing the weight, right? Because their lack of in your life is, is sometimes motivating you to make decisions. And you don't know why it's motivating you to make decisions, but you've never addressed the weight. But it's giving them the proper weight. It's an attitude of respect and courtesy, knowing that they might not have been perfect and they might have been far from perfect, but that they're the pathway to getting you to Jesus, right? Whether it was good or whether it was bad. We're all here because we didn't get something from our parents. We all are in need of Jesus because we didn't have the perfect picture of what fathering or mothering was in our life. And that's something to be grateful for and something to give weight to. But what I've also noticed is that when we don't deal with that stuff with our parents, it, it tends to do something very strange in our life. It repeats. It repeats. And the most offensive passage in this whole scripture context um, is up towards the top. It's, I'm trying to see where it is. It's, it's starting in verse four, you shall not make for yourself an image of anything in heaven above or below, for I am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and the fourth generation, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And to me, I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. Uh, it's not fair that I have to deal with and break cycles in my life that my parents started in my life. But in the Old Testament, <clears throat> what ended up happening is it just ran its generational course, right? Until someone just stopped doing the thing, right? Until someone just stopped, you know, abusing their wife or drinking alcohol to excess or, you know, abusing their children. Like it just eventually ran its generational course. Maybe, you know, because as you, when you repeat it, it starts another line starts another third and fourth generation. But on the other side of the cross, it's not that Jesus did away with all the curses. It's that he dealt with them all. And he gave you a tool to deal with them all. Meaning that, hey, mom, dad, you might not have given me everything I need, but you're deserving of honor because you pushed me towards Jesus. And with him, I can actually release a blessing to a thousand generations by putting an end to the thing that you started in my life. Yeah. 
And when we don't deal with it, it just keeps repeating. And we're like, oh, why is this happening in my life? I don't understand. And that's where I see people get caught in this dark uh, cyclone almost. And they're like, why am I not occupying my territory? And it's because they're so busy dealing with things that aren't actually theirs. You know what I mean? Like, it was like the sin of your parents, parents. It's like at work in your life, keeping you out of your promised land. But we've judged our parents and it's started to bear fruit in our lives. And that's what we call a bitter root judgment. And I have a definition of what that means. A bitter root judgment is when you judge the motive and the heart behind a person's actions. And it reminds me of that uh, Bill Johnson quote, we are at our dumbest when we believe that we know the motives of another. Or yeah. <laughs> it's dumb, you know? But what it really does is it actually creates a, a root of judgment in our lives and then it starts to bear fruit in our lives. And then we become the thing that we so desperately wanted to avoid in our lives. Listen, the Bible is very clear. We're not allowed to judge the motive, right? Because man sees the outward appearance, but God looks at the, he's the only one that gets to look at the heart and judge the heart. It's okay for us to say, hey, that behavior is not okay. We're okay to look at the action and say, "Mm -mm, not good. Don't like it. That was not working for me, dad. You know, I would have much rather you come home and play baseball with me instead of drink. You know, I would have much rather you spent time with me. Like that was not okay. That there's legal license for that, right? That is okay. The problem is when we, and we all do it, is when we start saying why, why they did that thing underneath, then it becomes our burden to bear. It might not have been our sin, but it becomes our burden. And then that burden turns into the sin in our lives, repeating itself in the cycle. And what I've read in this scripture is that there's an antidote to that cycle, and it's honor, and it's forgiveness, and it's restoration. And what I feel like God wants to do today is open up a doorway to your promised land, to your inheritance that maybe some of you have felt like at a distance from, because you didn't know. You didn't know that you had judged your mom. You didn't know that you had judged your dad. You didn't know that you had judged the motive of the heart. One of the things that someone came up to me after first service and they said, man, like that was so, that's so real in my life. And as a result, I carry a weight and a burden that like really it causes a lot of shame for me. And I said, can you imagine what they felt? carrying the same burden and it was like a light bulb came on because instead of judging the motive in a way that was like oh they must have had ill intent it was understanding my my mom was human too my dad was human too in desperate need of a savior in desperate need of Jesus and I actually get to be the pathway now for my family to have a blessing found in the inheritance of Jesus Everyone wants a king like Jesus. Everyone wants the love and the mercy of our kind Savior, Jesus. And as you embrace that reality and let go of offense and judgment and embrace this idea that God, you designed, you, you didn't give me perfect parents and you knew it. <laughs> and you knew it. So I'm going to honor the position I don't have to receive all of the behavior, but I want to see a blessing released through my life. I'm putting an end 
to alcoholism today. I'm putting an end to infidelity. I'm putting an end to divorce in my life today. Some of you, that's like real. You're like, you see it three, four generations back, divorce. You're married and it's starting to feel a little shaky right now. And the Lord's inviting you to put an end to that thing. It's not your burden to carry. Release honor. Understand they were in need of Jesus just like you are. And embrace the beauty of the blessing to a thousand generations. And recognize that when you deal with something, your kids don't have to deal with it anymore. And that's what I love about the Lord because he, had, I think now that I'm a mom, I get, I little bit get it, right? Why it goes to the third and fourth generation because it needs to mean something for my life when I behave poorly and I make a bad decision. It needs to mean something to me. And sometimes I'm like, it just stops with me. It's fine if I'm rude or if I'm angry and I let that thing take over in my life. But when, if I look at my sweet Remy and I'm like, oh, is this going to repeat in her life? That means something to me. If I look at you guys and I'm like, as a leader, as a shepherd, as a mom to this environment, I'm like, my mismanagement, is that going to be in your life? I'm like, oh, that's a whole different level. I'm ready to put an end to this thing. I'm ready to put this thing to death. And I don't care what it takes. I don't care how much prayer, how much honor, how, I don't care. Lord, just do it in me because I don't want to see this thing repeated in my life and in the lives of my kids, both in the natural and in the spirit. And, you know, it's so funny because in our culture, there's a lot of dishonor towards figures of authority. Listen, we could go around and talk about our differences of opinion and authority figures in our life. The problem is with that is if you judge the motive, if you judge the heart, you actually, it's not just in regards to your natural parents. It's also can compound into like spiritual parents or figures of authority in your life. It's not saying that all the behavior is okay, but it's like, hey, I honor the position of authority and therefore I give the weight that it is due and I will do whatever the Lord asks me to honor that person in authority in my life. Your boss might be, might just be really underdeveloped, okay? Like that could be very true. They might have a really bad way of thinking and it's not that you just have to accept, hey, everything that they do in my life is like, okay, but there is that true sense of heart. But I'm going to posture myself in a way that releases honor, understanding they're a child of God just like I am, in desperate need of a Savior just like I am, in desperate need of forgiveness just like I am. Nobody is above it. And so here I am in the place that God has positioned me, yep. sowing honor, yep. because I want to live, God, in the land that you have purpose for me. You have purpose for me. I didn't just purpose it for myself. God's like, ooh, like on the edge of his seat, like, come on, just learn the family way. It's like, come on, I know it's not perfect. And, you know, despite our experience, God still commands that we honor our parents, no matter what. And I know for some of us, that's more challenging for others. But what I can say is I have very close friends, several, that have had poor experiences with parents in their life do this thing well and go after healing in this way, 
you know, I had a great experience, okay? That wasn't my burden. That was something someone else put to death, something in the line that now I'm like getting to reap a blessing, right? There are other things I have to put to death, you know, that were released a blessing. But I have friends and, you know, peers in ministry who have had really tough parenting experiences or authority experiences that have done this part really well with a whole lot of like tenderness and on their knees and really surrendered before the Lord. And I can tell you, it has busted open blessing in their life. And not just blessing in regards to like financial miracles. I'm not talking about that kind of blessing. We go there so often. But I'm talking about the real blessing, the blessing of connection, the blessing of favor. You know, Jesus did not excuse himself from the experience of having parents either. And as he was parented, the Lord watched and he grew in favor with God and with man, right? Jesus, he's probably wiser. He probably had more, you know, in the tank. Just because you've surpassed your parents in a spiritual way does not give you license to dishonor them in the season that they're in. Listen, they did their job if you went ahead of them. That's their job. You're supposed to outgrow them spiritually in maturity. You're supposed to run faster than they ever could run. And it takes meekness and humility to say, but you still have something to teach me. And for those of you who have no relationship with your parents, and for good reason, the Lord is so faithful to show up in those places and fill in all the gaps. Some of us have good reason to not be in relationship with our parents. That's why the Lord didn't say, connect with your parents so that you can live, you know, long in the land that your God is giving you. He didn't say you have to have like a thriving connection in order for that to happen. He didn't, that was not the the layout. It was honor. It was honor. Because we can all honor despite whether your parents are here, they've gone home to heaven, you have no connection with them at all. You can still so honor because honor is about what's happening inside of you, not about what they've done. We oftentimes like to do that thing where we're like, well, give honor if they did a good job. I'll honor my boss if they do everything perfectly. I'll honor my parents when they tell me they're sorry for that thing. I'll honor my leadership when, you know, they stop telling me no about everything. But it's not contingent on the experience that you have from parent to to kid. It's really contingent on what's happening on the inside of you. Because at the end of the day, man looks at the outward, but God's looking at your heart. And he's saying, hey, do you know how to so honor even when it hasn't been earned? Do you know how to so honor even when they didn't do everything perfectly? And what I've noticed is that as people so honor, there is a doorway to promised land. I can't explain it. It's just in the Bible. And I've just seen it in my own life, proven time and time again. 
how'd you get your inheritance so early, Allison? I don't know. I had great parents, but I really honor the leaders in my life. And I really honor my parents for what they gave me and what they didn't give me. And, you know, we have a thriving connection and that's really awesome. But some of you are going to release today a blessing to a thousand generations as you do business with the judgment calls that you've made against your parents that are keeping you out of your promised land, that are keeping you out of wholehearted connection. That's the thing I kept saying is some of you have made judgment calls and it's actually keeping you from living wholeheartedly, like with your whole heart, you know, like, okay, I can give pieces, but I don't know how to trust to give the whole thing over to God. And I feel like for me in my life, what I have experienced is the more I so honor, the bigger the doorway gets <laughs> to my promised land, the more territory I take in the spirit. And what's even more beautiful is that when the Lord connects you with the right fathers and mothers, you don't go into the promised land alone. Because the Lord's not trying to take you there by yourself. He's trying to see you, you know, produce a harvest in your life and reap a harvest. But if the only fruit that you bear is the fruit of judgment, the Lord is faithful to keep you outside of the promised land. Because he cares way more about the people that you're called to serve than you care about. He cares way more about them. He cares way more about the kids that you're going to have. He cares way more about the people that you're called to serve. And he's like, listen, let's deal. Let's deal with the judgment. And let's so honor. And and honestly, like what I was feeling even prophetically is that some of you feel like you've been living on the edge of the promised land for years. And you're like, why? You know, you feel like you get tiptoe to the edge. And then like a leader tells you no. You like tiptoe to the edge. And then, like, something blows up in your world. And like I said, if the, if, if the shoe fits, wear it, okay? This is prophetically speaking. You'll know when it hits your heart. Some of you are outside of your promised land because you've sowed in judgment and it's time to release forgiveness and actually sow honor into the field that God has given to you so that you can reap a harvest of honor in your life. I know some of you have been doing this work and you don't have perfect parents. I meet with you and I see you give that honor and that love even when it hurts. And even when you're like, oh, they didn't do it right. But okay, dad, you know, I hear you. Or, oh, you know, It wasn't right all the time, but at a distance, I'm going to so honor, you know? And I even felt specifically, and this is going to like touch like a tender spot, and I I don't want to be too intense because I really want the Lord to minister to it. But some of you have been waiting to get married for a time. Some of you are on the edge of that promised land, like I've been looking God, bring me my spouse. And and it's so beautiful. This season of singleness is holy before the Lord. Being single is not second class. Being single, if it was good enough for Jesus, it is good enough for you. But some of you are on this edge. You're like, you've been waiting for years to get into this promised land. And the Lord, in His mercy and His kindness, might be inviting you into releasing some of that judgment and dealing with those dad issues, dealing with those mom judgments and that hurt and letting him fill in the gaps before he brings someone else into your harvest field where you guys will create a life together and bear fruit together 
and the shoe, you know, if it hits your heart, it hits your heart, okay? I'm not speaking to everyone in single season. Some of you, it's like, this is holy for you. This is good. This is your promised land in this season. You being single is your promised land in this season. And that's beautiful. And God's speaking to you about that. And and don't move from that season until he moves you. But for those of you that's like, oh, that resonates. Like, I really have some issues that I haven't dealt with. And I made some judgment calls against my parents that I need to deal with. Like, let today be the day. And some of you, I felt... not just prophetically but I've seen it before is like some of you have made some judgment calls against your parents and you are married and you're seeing it show up in your spouse and you're seeing it show up you know across across the aisle like that and the Lord is inviting you to release some of those judgments so that you can actually embrace a healing process that goes to a thousand generations because when the family is connected the harvest is plentiful when the family is intact god can bear healthy fruit through your life and that is his dream is that you don't just live in a land all by yourself you know it's like he wants you to live in a land and be fruitful and multiply and not just natural children it's in the spirit it's what you were called to sow your life into and so this morning i want us to just stand we're gonna we're gonna pray and we're gonna uh engage just in a song of worship because I know for some of you, this is a very real and very, you know, it's like a Kairos moment for you. Some of you are like, I've been thinking about this for months and I haven't really had the words to deal with it. So with every eye closed, if that's you in this room, you know that you need to release a parent, a coach, a parental figure, a pastor, if you know that you need to release them from judgments that you have made and extend forgiveness, if that's you, just be bold and lift your hand this morning. I'm going to pray over you. Yep, that's a lot of us in the room. Me too, God. Me too, God. God's going to bring a spirit of breakthrough as you pray. And just in your heart, pray in the way that you know to. Just, God, I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I release them from the judgment that I've spoken over them or that I've made about them. God, I just ask right now that your perfect love would cast out every fear and anxiety in regards to leaders and parents. And God, I ask that you would overwhelm us with the truth of your your heart, that you are a perfect father. And if we didn't get it with our earthly parents, God, you're releasing it right now through your grace and through your blood. Lord, and I ask right now with every person with their hand lifted that today would be the start of a journey to put to death the things that have been birthed in their lives that have been curses or heavy burdens, Lord. And I ask that you would release through their lives a blessing that goes to a thousand generations in the name of Jesus. All right, let's just worship right now and just encounter the presence of God as He speaks to our hearts. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.